Hello and welcome back to the Vol Report Show. I'm Ryan Sylvia, joined by Noah Taylor. We are with ValReport.com on the Rivals Network. And the Tennessee Volunteers have finally found out where they're going bowling in 2023, or I guess 2024, because it'll be a New Year's Day game against Iowa in the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. We found that out yesterday after the playoffs were set. First things first, what was your initial reaction to that, Noah? Were you surprised that it ended up being the Citrus Bowl? There's a lot of buzz around some other Florida Bowl games. And are you happy with that result? Yeah, I mean, to start, I, I was surprised because I know the last few weeks it was trending heavily towards the Gator Bowl. I know you and I were, you know, kind of prepped for that news and, and ready to go and, mm-hmm. and felt good about those even going into the conference championship Saturday. And, and you kind of knew – there were some games, obviously Tennessee, well out of the, the playoff race, but there are some games that could affect, you know, Tennessee's bowl standing uh, on Saturday, the SEC championship being the biggest, obviously, because now Alabama is getting to go to the playoff. And things kind of had to fall in the right place for that Gator Bowl to change. But even then, Florida State beating Louisville Saturday night in the ACC title game, you still felt pretty good about that Gator Bowl. Then you wake up Sunday morning, and it's kind of trending towards, towards the ReliaQuest Bowl in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And uh, gosh, I, I think you and I were talking maybe 15 or 20 minutes before they announced it. And then all of a sudden, wow, the Citrus Bowl is, is a possibility. And so it was a surprise. Um, I do think if you're Tennessee, you've got to be happy with that game itself. Um, you end up in probably the best non-New Year Six bowl game that there is. A uh, place Tennessee hasn't played in 21 years, but they've got some history there. Uh, it's a New Year's Day game. Um and you get to go to Orlando for a few days. It's a good spot for Tennessee to be in if you're looking at it from kind of an optics standpoint, I think. Now, Iowa being the opponent, uh, I think a lot of people know about Iowa just because of how kind of funny of a team they are with a abysmal offense. I was doing some research on them yesterday and, and this morning, and uh, by the time this is out, there, there's a chance that uh, this article will be out as well with taking kind of a sneak peek into what the Hawkeyes look like in all three phases of the game. Their offense is dead last in yards per game in FBS football, 133 out of 133. What were your thoughts when Tennessee pulled this Iowa team who they might have a really bad offense, but, I mean, they've won 10 games. They have a really good defense, and they've found a way to string together victories. So what are your thoughts on this pool? Yeah, it it doesn't wow you, I guess, like a potential matchup with maybe North Carolina would have in the Gator Bowl. Even without Drake May, I think that would have been maybe a little bit more of an interesting matchup for Tennessee. Um, But, yeah, Iowa's not one that jumps off the page and and you think, wow, that could be an exciting matchup. Um, They're they're not a particularly fun team to watch, like you mentioned. Uh, But it's still a winnable game for Tennessee. I think if you can find ways to score just a few times, that might be enough to win the game. Um, we've seen that a lot with Iowa and Big Ten play. And if you watch the Big Ten title game the other night against Michigan, when Michigan went up 10 nothing, that just seemed like there's no way Iowa could come back from that, and obviously they didn't. Um, but Tennessee's had its own struggles on offense this season. I, I, I was an elite defensive team, like you mentioned. They're, they're capable of taking away the run game from Tennessee, and when that's happened to the Vols this season, it, it's, it's been kind of hard to, to just rely on the passing game alone. Um, I, I could definitely see this in, ending up being an ugly game. But uh, I think the good news for Tennessee is we've seen those this year. You, you go back to that Texas AM game, they found a way to win that one with just defense and, and some special teams uh, mistakes on AM side, some, some big special team swing plays on Tennessee side. Um, but I think, yeah, if, if Iowa forces Tennessee to play at their level, that, that, could, be, that could be kind of a, an ugly football game for both teams. 
Yeah, I mean, Iowa is just uh, they're they're a tough watch almost. But I saw someone call it the the tortoise and the hairball, and, and I think that's a good way to put it. Just the different styles of play, where both have been successful. I don't want to say equally successful or not equally successful, but both have been successful in their own rights to a certain extent. And it'll be really interesting for Tennessee to see how they deal with that slow of a pace. Teams have tried to slow Tennessee down. A lot of the times it doesn't necessarily work. Um, and Tennessee still kind of does what it wants and, and pushes the pace when, when they have the ball on offense and makes it a more high-scoring game than low-scoring game. But I don't think Tennessee's going to have the ball a lot in this game with Iowa's uh, style. And if Iowa can get their run game going a little bit, which is an ask at times uh, – just for their offense as a whole. But if they can get that going, start putting together some first downs, Tennessee might not see this ball a lot. And that doesn't mean Iowa's scoring a bunch. It just means they might be taking eight-minute drives off the clock. And then Tennessee, with their pace, it's not like they're going to have the ball for eight minutes themselves. So it'll be interesting to see how these styles of play go. But we'll get into more of our predictions for how it goes down at the end of the show. What do you want to see, though, from Tennessee? We'll do... Offense, defense, special teams. You can pick a stat. You can pick a player. Just what do you want to see happen in this bowl game on the offensive side of the football? Yeah, I'm going to go with a position group here and, and say the receivers. I, I kind of want to see how they perform. I, I know we're not entirely sure at this point who will play and, and who won't play at this at, at this point right now, obviously with the opt-outs and, and things like that, which we'll, we'll probably hear about in the next couple of days, I'd imagine. Um but I, I think obviously you want to try to establish the run because that's your that's your that's your strong suit of this offense, um, especially with Dylan Sampson, uh, and that depends on what Jalen Wright decides to do if, if he's back for this game mm-hmm. uh, and what his future plans are. But you know if that's taken away, like you mentioned, if the run game is hard for Tennessee to establish, you know how do the receivers step up in their place? You know I, I think Ramel Keaton had a strong close of the year after struggling early squirrel white's been targeted probably the most. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it seems like a That's lot. Yards. Yeah. And I, I don't know what we'll see out of Dante Thornton. I know when he was injured, Josh Heupel said he was out for the remainder of the regular season and kind of left that mm-hmm. open for the bowl game. I guess we'll find that out too here pretty soon once bowl practices get started. But uh, this could be a big game for guys like Caleb Webb and Nathan Laycock and, and Chaz Nimrod and to get some valuable reps and, and try to get the passing game going. Um, and I, and they're, they're going to get some help, you'd imagine, from Jacob Warren, McCollin Castles in the passing game too. But, you know, if you're able to, to hit some big plays on this Iowa secondary, uh, th- like you mentioned, it's going to be hard for Tennessee to get the ball. you got to make the most of it when you get it. And if you're not, run- if you're not running the ball well, Tennessee's going to have to hit on some big plays. So I think for me it's going to be – how those guys step up because they've obviously had a lot put on their shoulders that we probably didn't expect. This was a Tennessee wide receiver room that obviously lost Jalen Wright or Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, but we didn't expect, we didn't foresee the injuries to Brew McCoy or or Dante Thornton, even, even though I know he's a newcomer as well. So this could be a huge opportunity for those uh, young receivers to step up and, and maybe help Tennessee hit on some big plays. In a similar vein, I'll go with the offensive line because of all of their injuries. Uh, and even guys that maybe are just a little shaken up that possibly have NFL futures, we'll see what they want to do in this game. Trontas Braggins out for the year with his injury. Uh, you look at a John Campbell Jr., a guy that has a lot of NFL buzz around him who's missed some time recently due to injury. Does he give it a go for one last run and try to impress some scouts, or does he just try to save his body for the combine? Because he's a guy that will probably hear his name called 
during this upcoming NFL draft. And there's some other pieces around this line as well that just haven't been able to stay healthy. So I'm interested to see what that offensive line does. I'm hoping that they get some of the younger guys in, like an Addison Nichols, and you can kind of go down the list and just see what you have uh, against this Iowa defense. That's that's really solid as well because these bowl games almost feel like a tryout at times uh, with some of these young pieces. It kind of gives you a glimpse into what you're going to get next year. So if Tennessee can go out, get some – reserve linemen in and I'm not saying empty the bench to the third deep and get whoever's that quarterback killed but get some younger guys a little bit of play time here and there and kind of see what you have for next year because there are some holes you have to fill on that offensive line and I think that this game against Iowa could at least maybe begin to paint the picture of what's going to work what's not going to work who can stick there who can start there and who needs some more time to develop or maybe where you need to exactly really go after in that second transfer portal window that are open up before the season Let's talk about defense, though. What do you want to see on that side of the ball? Yeah, the, we'll go back to the run game again. I, I just kind of want to see them continue to stop the run. That, that's been their bread and butter for this defense the last couple of years, especially this year. And, you know, it's not like Iowa is going to be multidimensional on offense, like we've already said. They're, they're ranked, mm-hmm. like you said, dead last in the Big Ten. Uh, passing yards per game is 123 is what they average. They're, they're even worse running the ball at 117 yards per game. So, just keep doing what works and don't give up any big plays in the secondary when they do try to go through the air. Uh, I think too, for the pass rush to get back to where it was. Um, I know teams have really put an emphasis on that, but, but Iowa has allowed 25 sacks this season. Mm-hmm. So that's not a particularly great Iowa offensive line either. Uh, it seems like, but yeah, I mean, you said it already, their game is going to be trying to keep the ball out of Tennessee's hands. They're very good at that. And the way you can get them off the field is just taking away, you know, those elements. I think for Tennessee, you know, you would just like to see them continue to, to stop the run the way that they have this year. Yeah, I want that pass rush to get to the quarterback. That's something we saw at the beginning of the year. Granted, a lot worse offensive lines Tennessee played to start this season than to end the season. Even looking at SEC teams like South Carolina and AM, those might be two of the worst offensive lines in the whole conference and Tennessee took advantage of it. And then before that, you're playing teams like Virginia, Austin P, UTSA. Obviously you're going to see more success against that bunch against the Georgias and the Missouris and even the Kentuckys and the Alabamas. But this is a game for Tennessee to get back on track when sacking the quarterback. They're averaging two point sacks per game right now throughout the season. I want to see them bump that number up to three uh, or, or at least hit the three sack mark. Uh, is what I'm trying to say against Iowa in this bowl game. In the last three games, they're averaging just two sacks. So you, you can kind of see how it's dropped off a little bit throughout this season. I don't see James Pierce Jr. start to get some momentum, start to get his name uh, a little bit more buzz even with those way too early mock drafts that are going to start to release after this season. James <laughs> Pierce Jr. goes out in this bowl game, picks up a sack or two. He could start to see himself with the first-round grade already before his junior campaign and some other guys as well. We'll see who opts out, who wants to play. Uh, Tyler Barron, a guy that that's kind of up in the air right now. If he plays, maybe finish a, a year out or a career out for him well. If he doesn't play, uh, then maybe some younger guys come in and make an impact off the edge and at defensive tackle as well. So defensive line, I want them to get back on track. Even the linebackers, I'll include them in that stat as well on, on blitzes. Uh, create havoc in that backfield. I think that would be a great sign going forward to kind of, like I said, build some momentum heading into next year. Special teams to wrap up this segment. What do you want to see from the special teams unit to close out the season? 
Yeah, this could potentially be a big special teams game. You know, you're, you're kind of in Iowa's wheelhouse here. You know, Troy Taylor, the, the punter, uh, is arguably their best player, at least the most effective player that they've had. Um, and, and he could be big in this game, flipping the field or, or pinning Tennessee deep. Um, but I think I think if D. Williams can get his hands on one, it, the biggest thing would be just take advantage of that. Because I, I know that's easier said than done, but make the most of those opportunities when Iowa is punting. I imagine they're going to be punting a lot. Um, but we've seen, you know, I go back to that Texas A&M game. I know we referenced that one a lot, but that was a game too where similarly Tennessee wasn't able to move the ball offensively. They scored one touchdown on offense. What changed the game and maybe won the game for Tennessee was a big special teams play by D Williams. I think if you can make something like that happen, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't mean you have to house a punt every time, but, you know, set Tennessee up and, and get them out of those, you know, drives where you're starting inside the 10, which seems to be what I was very good at, at doing to opposing teams. Yeah, you, you kind of took the words out of my mouth there. I was going to go with D. Williams as well. Uh, you mentioned the A&M game. That was the exact reason I was going to say, because when you have these low-scoring games, maybe that could be the difference. And maybe it'll even be on a kick return. I don't think we've seen them uh, really have an overly uh, amount of success on the kick returns. He's been fine there, but a lot of times it seems like he just opts for the touchbacks in those situations. Maybe it'll come in that fashion this time with how good Iowa's punter is, but I'll give a shout out to Jackson Ross as well. If Tennessee stalls out, if that Iowa defense does its job and this game's close and down to the wire and low scoring, the difference could be a really good punt from Jackson Ross pinning Iowa deep or just consistently pinning Iowa deep in their territory and making that offense that struggled all season work even harder throughout this game. I think that could be a, a big impact as well. So D Williams, a guy to look out for could be that difference maker like he was in the AM game. But also uh, the punt unit, I think, could be a big deal as well. Who's going to be your breakout star, though? Every season, it seems like there's a couple guys going into bowl week that you know of. They've had decent seasons. But then all of a sudden, in this big bowl game, they get their name called a million times. And this uh, offseason buzz starts to form. And, and it kind of leads into another solid year. Who's it going to be this year? Who's the guy that's going to come in? who maybe doesn't have a huge amount of attention on them right now, but will by the time this game's over. Yeah, you alluded to it a second ago with, you know, this being a big opportunity. I think when you mentioned the offensive line and, and how some of those younger guys getting in there. And Josh Heupel, you know, I thought was interesting yesterday on that Citrus Bowl Zoom press conference. You know, he said that they've already done some, some practices that were, you know, younger players centric or emphasized in the last couple of weeks to, or the last week anyway, to prepare them for this game. But in the spring too, he said, it's essentially like extra spring practices. Um, so a big opportunity to get young guys in, in this game. I, I think um, I already mentioned the wide receivers and, and how that's kind of the, what I want to see step up. So I'm going to go with a wide receiver here and, and say Chaz Nimrod. Um, you know, this could be, this could change depending on, and I say change, but as in it, my player could change it depending on who's going to have to leave or who's going to opt out and all that. And who's going to have to step into their place. Cause I know those roles may change in the next couple of weeks. But right now I, I would go with Chaz Nimrod. Um, I think, I think he could have a breakout game potentially. We haven't really seen that yet out of any of these younger receivers. They've had a couple of big plays here and there. Um, I think this is kind of that game for them. And I think you see Nimrod, you know, make the most of his targets uh, in this game and, and help this offense make just enough plays. Cause I don't think that they need to make a ton mm -hmm. of explosive plays to win, but I think you're going to need to see maybe a deep ball here and there that could kind of change the, change the momentum and, 
and maybe put Iowa out of it. And and he's kind of the guy I think that we've seen, you know, get more snaps here, obviously, with, with some of the injuries in that room. And uh, I think this is the game where he takes advantage of it. Uh, yeah, I'll keep it on the offensive side. I'll go with Cam Selden, though, a guy who's been buried on the depth chart this year, fourth string running back. This will have there's going to have to be some opt out, some transfer. Something's going to have to happen to see him see the field a lot. But if Tennessee has to call his name, and maybe it's even in the return game with D. Williams on the kick return, but if he gets his name called at running back, which I'm hoping he does because uh, it'll be very important for him to get some more of these reps before a bigger role next season, I think that he could be a guy that even if it's just a couple touches where if he can make a couple moves, show off his size and speed, I think that he could get a lot of buzz going just because of the potential he shows. So we'll see how much he's called upon. Like I said, it, a lot of it depends on the transfers and on the opt-outs and everything that goes with it. Uh, and, and at this point, this early and kind of this instant reaction Citrus Bowl podcast, we don't know all of those answers. But if Canceldon's name uh, is called and he's on the field, I think that he could be a guy that does a really nice job here heading into his sophomore season next year. Let's finish it with some predictions, though. First, let's talk about this Iowa game. This doesn't have to be the one you stick with throughout the rest of the month before we get to the bowl game. But let's hear a way too early score prediction for this year's Citrus Bowl. Man, this is this is one of the toughest of the year uh, for Tennessee to, to try to try to predict. Um, I think what what the the point total open up at like thirty six or something. Yeah, t- Tennessee seven and a half point favorite from what I saw as well. So I I'll go Tennessee twenty. Iowa 10. And I think it feels so weird making that a a final score, but uh, I do think the Hawkeyes will, will find the end zone at some point. Um, But I, you know, Texas A&M again, I I can see it being that kind of game, except this time Tennessee's offense is is a little bit better. Um, Hits on some big plays and, and finds the end zone twice instead of, you know, maybe special teams or, or a defensive score kind of helping there. But I, I do think that, that 20 to 10 is where I'm going to go, which would, would put us under that point total, I guess, too. So yeah. I feel like this is a pretty safe – this game's pretty safe to, to kind of hammer the under for. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go a little lower than you even. I'll go 17 to 7. I think Iowa finds the end zone as well. I don't know if they have more than one drive that ends in points, yeah. though, just because yeah. of how tough this offense is and, and how – solid Tennessee's defenses. I don't want to say they're elite, but but it's a solid defensive unit. So I think that it could give Iowa some trouble. And I think Tennessee is going to be able to do a good enough job to, to be able to put a handful of points on the board enough to, I don't know if when comfortably is the right word, but as you said with the Michigan game, it went to a 10 to nothing deficit in, in the first half. And it's was like, oh, this one's over. <laughs> Normally that's not the case. With Iowa, that almost feels like the case. It's, it's a race to 10 points, it feels like. So I think Tennessee finds the end zone twice. Punts a, puts in a field goal and then surrenders a touchdown to Iowa. Comes out of this with a two-possession win in an ugly, ugly fashion. But I do think Tennessee wins this bowl game. Before we leave, rapid fire. College football playoffs were announced. Let's go to our predictions for those two, even though we're a month away from that as well. Number one, Michigan, and number four, Alabama, and then number two, Washington, and number three, Texas. We all have our thoughts about the Florida State situation. We won't necessarily get into that, but who do you see winning those two games, meeting in the championship, and who is going to be crowned the winner? Man, um, I know when when we were at Media Day in Nashville, I, I think we talked about 
you know, our overall season predictions, obviously at, at that kind of event, you're talking about your SEC predictions a lot, but, and I think you were very high on Michigan and, and here mm-hmm. they are the number one seed, num- number one team. Um, it's hard to kind of bet against them. I, I do feel, I feel like Alabama kind of has an edge there. I think that they're running into this game with some momentum. Um, it's, I will say, and like you said, we won't get too much into the Florida state or everybody's got opinions on that. And, and I think we all know what they are. Yeah. Um, but I do think this potentially has – it does have a more interesting – you know, some more interesting matchups. You know, you're not really, you don't really see a game in it where you're like, okay, this could end up being like a TCU-Georgia mm-hmm. scenario like we had last yeah. year, like we've had a lot in, in semifinal games too. Um, but I, I like Alabama to beat Michigan, and I like Texas to beat Washington. And I think that uh, we're going to have a essentially an all-SEC uh, national championship here which we haven't had enough of those, but uh, you know, Texas kind of going into the big 12 with some momentum here, winning the big 12 and, and now has an opportunity to play for a national championship as well. Um, I like that to be your national championship matchup, but I do not think that either of those games could be wrong. Um, I often am, but uh, I, I do not think either of those games are going to be blowouts like we've seen in a lot of semifinal games. I think you're, this is going to be a really good, uh, some really good matchups here. But uh, I do like Texas and Alabama in the national championship. So you're telling me we're getting a rematch of the 2010 BCS national championship? Yeah, game? yeah, and maybe this time. Uh, yeah, exactly. Texas quarterback won't get hurt. Yeah, we'll, we'll hope. We'll hope so for that. Also, a rematch of something we saw this season, and when yeah. Ted, Ted or Texas and Alabama played earlier this year, I think a lot of people thought this is a really good game. This is a game that maybe we could see uh, in future playoffs. But I don't think anyone at the time necessarily thought this would be the preview of a national championship game, which would be uh, kind of cool if they got another shot at each other in the championship game. I agree Texas is going to be Washington, but I'll stick with my preseason prediction of Michigan. Uh, I thank you for the credit uh, for, for being my source and, and my eyes there to, to verify that Michigan was my preseason pick. So I feel like I got to stick with them. You're the number one seed. You got the job. You, you, you took care of business. You got the job done. You're you 13 and 0 heading into the playoffs. I feel like I, I can't back off of that. So I'll stick with Michigan. I'll have them playing Texas in the championship game, and I'll take Michigan over Texas to win it. However, for the record, I'm a big fan of Michael Penix Jr. I hope that he wins the Heisman. I hope that he and Washington wins the championship. So that'll be who I'm rooting for is Washington. I really like that story. That's a fun team to watch. Yeah, for sure. But who am I picking? I'll pick Michigan. That'll do all from us here today on the Vol Report Show. Thank you so much for watching. We will have more content as we count down the days to Orlando. And Noah and I will be in attendance for that game as well. So make sure you head to VolReport.com for all of our content heading into bowl season. Transfer portal opened today as we record this on Monday. It's already getting crazy. Kyle McCord in the portal. Uh, Dylan Gabriel in the portal. It, it's getting wild so far for Tennessee not too insane. There's a couple defensive backs in there already at the time we're recording this, but I would be shocked by the end of the week if there weren't some surprises that get announced. So make sure you stay up to date on everything there is. Tennessee athletics basketball season as well, gearing up men's and women's and baseball coverage year round as well. So head over to volreport.com. Links to everything you need is in the description. And thank you for watching.